Hi, this is Lainey Cameron, and you're listening to the Best of Women's Fiction podcast. I'm a marketing expert, a digital nomad, and author of the 11-time award-winning novel, The Exit Strategy. If you haven't read it yet, I'd love to know what you think. I created this podcast to showcase authors and books I admire. You can follow me on Instagram, watch me make a fool of myself on TikTok, and my website is laineycameron.com. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love any suggestions for future episodes. Also, it helps a lot if you subscribe and give it a quick review. In this episode, I'm chatting with Washington Post and Amazon Charts best-selling author, Carrie Ann King. Carrie writes books that touch people so much that they become instant bestsellers, as I'm sure her latest, which just released, will too. Other People's Things, which released this week, is a heartwarming read with an unusual premise. The main character, Nicole, doesn't exactly steal, but she participates in what she calls an object relocation program. Although you can imagine, not everyone sees it that way. I am here with my friend Carrie Ann King, and we're going to be talking about her latest novel that just came out this week, Other People's Things. Congratulations, Carrie. Thank you. I am totally super excited. Like every time. It doesn't ever get how many how many times? What is this number? Um, for me as an author completely, um, it's like I, I think number 12, maybe like total wow. considering my Carrie shape herself. It's number six for my Carrie Ann King. Wow. Yeah. And this book is fabulous. Five stars. It is so unique and memorable. Like you created a main character that stuck in my head for like two weeks after I read the book. So oh, wow. that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed that that happened. Thank you. <laughs> So let's start by telling people, do you want to tell folks a little bit about the latest one? Tell them about other people's things. It's getting such great reviews already. I have one to share, but tell us more. Tell, tell those who haven't seen it yet. Sure, absolutely. This book really was just, I called it the gift book initially. It was so much fun um, to write. And really this main character, I'd like to take credit for her, but she kind of just showed up. She told me her name was Nickel and that um, really it's Nicole, but her friends call her Nickel and that's just a thing. And I don't need to worry about too much about where that came from. She explained that she has this problem. She takes things. She's been called a thief. She has a record, but she doesn't really steal things. In her mind, it's an object relocation program. Things are not where they belong and they need to be moved. So this has caused her all kinds of trouble in her life, as you can imagine, as we start the book. Um, Nicole is turning 30. She's been in and out of jail. She's a high school dropout. She doesn't have any real marketable skills. Her marriage is about to be over because she moved, well, a whole lot of money that belonged to her lawyer husband. He is not very understanding of her problem. And she's on the outs with her family as well. So she she really is in a not good spot, but her sister gives her a job in the family cleaning business. And as you can imagine, this is not a good match to have somebody who moves things working as a house cleaner. Now, Nicole is well aware of this and she swears she's going to behave herself, but an opportunity presents on the very first day. And it's a book. It's only a book. It's an old paperback novel. Who's even going to notice who's going to care? So she moves the book 
And it just starts this whole chain of events and discoveries and breaks open secrets. And there's mysteries and romance and all kinds of things that happen in there. And the reviews are appreciating that there's also a touch of magic to this book. I don't know if you would call it magical realism, but like these objects are moving for a reason, right? Like I'm not <laughs> yeah. gonna tell you what, but like, I love that concept. Like I loved the kind of, the touch of magic to it as well. Yeah, I, I love the touch of magic too. It's one of my favorite things and one of my favorite things in books. And I'm really delighted to discover that there seems to be a little trend in women's fiction where we have a lot of books that are set in the real world and just have that little bit of magic attached. It's not, I don't know that it's magical realism, but there's just that little dose of magic. And, and that I think makes we me all crave right now, right? Like in this weird world where nothing's the way it was three years ago. Yeah. I don't know, like I love books like this that get me out of my head and get me just like thinking about the world differently. Absolutely. Well, we just want to know that everything's really going to be okay. And honestly, that is one of my life philosophies is that even if you can't see it, things are always working out for me. And I try to, I got to play with that in this book with my character. Even when things look really, really, really bad, maybe they're still going to work out okay. I love that. And it's such an uplifting book that way. Let's take a quick peek at a review. This one is from uh, someone we both admire. I know Barbara Davis, who's the best-selling uh, author of The Last of the Moon Girls. And maybe we can talk later. She actually has a new one that um, she, she is has coming a new out. One. We, we yeah. should talk about that later because it is yeah. number one in the Kindle store or has been for days um, like, anyway. So. Like you, she <laughs> writes books that just touch people so much that they become instant bestsellers. I, I love that about both of you. Um, and here's what she said, woven with suspense, family drama, magic, and just the right touch of romance, an utterly compulsive read. With a compelling cast of characters and a delightfully imaginative plot, readers are taken on a journey of self-discovery as a young woman struggles to embrace her unique gift and find her place in a world that has already made up its mind about her. What a beautiful way to summarize the entire concept of this book. Yeah, it might've made me cry when that review came in. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. And also, she is such a great writer as well. I mean, both of yeah. you just touch readers and the way you put things and the uniqueness of your concepts. Thank you. I appreciate that. So talking of which, I actually really want to know, this is so unique, right? Like it's got so many different elements to it that I'm like, wow, I wish I had thought of that. So like, where the heck did like, you just woke up one day and Nichols spoke to you? Like, um, like how did it all come together? Not quite, but close. So, um, okay. <laughs> it happened like this. It was time to propose a new book and I really didn't have any ideas. So I, um, I sat down in my office one day and I literally pulled out a journal and opened it to a blank place at page, place, page, somewhere in that book, you know, those things that we write on. Yep. I opened it up, I got out a pen and I wrote at the top, auditioning for new ideas. No idea too small or too stupid to apply. <laughs> and then I started writing. So I, I just was brainstorming, right? So I did idea number one, idea number two. I can't remember what they were and I can't find this freaking notebook. I know this happened. I didn't dream it. Got to number three and that was it. It was um, something about, it was Nickel started talking to me right up, like kind of here I am, I'm Nickel. I work as a house cleaner. I move things, but you know, they have energy and I know they need to be moved. And um, then I made a little note that was uh, something um, mystery with woo-woo elements. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Mystery with woo-woo elements. 
And, well, and, and then I called it the gift book for ages, Lainey. It kind of wrote itself for a long amazing. time until, I mean, I say that, I mean, obviously I was showing up, but it was, it was just being easy to write. And then about three quarters of the way, I got totally stuck and I didn't know it was dragging. I was like, oh my God, now it's going to be awful, but I always figure it out. I know this. So anyway, I was in the shower where my muse lives and then Hawk showed up. Now, Hawk had not been in the book at all. He is, by the way, our leading man. He's a private investigator. I adore Hawk. He's one of my favorite male characters that I've ever created. Anyway, he shows up in the freaking shower and says, hi, I'm Hawk. I'm a private investigator, and I am here to solve your problems. And I said, hey, cool. Bring it on, buddy. So then I had to go back to the beginning and rewrite the whole book and put him in because he wasn't there. I'm wondering how the Viking feels with you. Know, strange men turning up in your shower. <laughs> he he doesn't have a problem with that. He's he's cool that way. <laughs> so so what does your process look like? I'm fascinated because you have written so many books, so many of them bestsellers. Like, is it consistent each time? Is it totally different? Was this one very different to the others? Like, how does that all work for you? What does editing look like? I'm 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 intrigued. Yeah, they're they're all different in in some ways. In that um Every book I write, you know, you sit down to write and you think, okay, I know how to do this. I've done this before. But every book is different. And so it requires a bit of a different process um, as far as pulling everything together. This one had a lot of mystery and a lot of moving parts in it. So it required a little more plotting than I usually do. Um, I do am required by my publisher, Lake Union, these days to send them a synopsis before they buy a book. So I sit down and I make a whole, up of a whole bunch of stuff that me and my editor both know probably isn't going to be in the final draft because I'm a pantser, let's be honest, and I'm very character driven, very character driven. So I like to start with a character and a premise and the, I, the better, the more at odds they are, the more fun it is to write. So, you know, in this one, it was very obvious. I have a very big problem for my character. And then who's going to be in it with her? And then, I don't know, people just kind of download. Like, I really just sit down and start writing. And I'm like, okay, I need a character here. Who's it going to be? Well, it's probably her sister. Where are they? They're in a car. They're going to the job. And then the conversation happens. And um, that's what I do in my first draft. I kind of try and follow some plot things that I know are important. There's timing, um, pacing, plot, uh, character arcs, all that kind of stuff. I'm aware of them and I pay attention in my head as I go. Um, but then when I come to edit, I like to give it a couple of days and I don't call it editing, it's major revising. Revising as in seeing over again, which is really what revising means. So I sit down with a clean manuscript and I try and read it like it's a book. And I make myself notes as I go. I lost some interest here. The character arc is broken here. There needs to be more drama here. The high point isn't in the middle. And then I go back and I just start fixing things. So, And how many revisions or reviewing from the beginning do you do for the average book? I know they're all different, but you like, know, it, how many it's times? Total it totally depends. Um, it usually, it, there's at least, <laughs> it almost always happens that I get three quarters of the way through and I have to go back to the beginning. It just <laughs> almost always happens that way. So there's at least two to the three quarter point. Um, it just depends. And then I'll get an idea and it's a complete reset. And then I start a whole new draft and I call it something different because I just in case if I need to go back. <laughs> 
I never quite trust. I never throw anything away completely. I have what I call the graveyard files where um, I think Stephen King said, kill your darlings. So right. when I used to call it the darling files, but now it's just the graveyard. So for every book, I just everything I caught, I put in there. Usually there's at least half of what the book ends up in in word count in the in the throwaway file. That's so it's great. Just a, it's, calling it graveyard. I think mine is called for later because I'm not quite brave enough to call it graveyard. Yeah. yeah, well, it's, you know, it's one of those jokes. So, um, and I do pull things out of there sometimes. I can go back and take it out. Um, I like to revise. It's really my favorite part. Drafting is the hardest for me. And so I kind of lose track of how many revisions there are because I really do just kind of like to go in and um, change stuff up. So revisions, usually three or four probably, and maybe five. And then that's before I ever turn it in. And then my editor is really good. She comes up, she always has awesome ideas. And um, that's my acquiring editor. So then I make those changes. And then it goes to my developmental editor. And then she has a whole bunch of ideas. And I really want to hurt her for a couple of days after I read her <laughs> comments. This is, this is a thing when you get your <laughs> developmental editor stuff, you don't answer right away. You give it some time. Well, that actually bridges into my favorite question to ask writers, because we do have a lot of other writers who, who listen to the podcast as well. So what uh -huh. advice do you give? And you're so good at this. You've given me so much good advice and coaching and creativity coaching and everything along the way. But like, if you had to pick one piece of advice, right, for, for prior Carrie or for someone who wants to be like you, like, what's the biggest thing you're most often or like to tell people? Um, I, you know, usually when I'm talking to other people, it's about calming down your inner critic and not listening to it because it gets in the way. Um, that That's really the, <laughs> the biggest thing. And I guess that kind of fits into what I am thinking about my biggest advice right now, which is do not be afraid to revise. Revise, revise. Don't be attached to that first draft. Just, you know, be, it's it wants to shift. The story wants to tell you something. I kind of, I've come to believe that it actually kind of knows what it is and wants to be, but we don't listen very well. So it's almost more like um, Michelangelo would look at a piece of marble and figure out what was in there and then chip away that what didn't need to be. And it's kind of like that. So you have to just trust that it's all going to work out. You have to trust your process and just keep listening and being willing to let go of those things that don't serve the story, which is really hard sometimes to let them go. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's actually as writers, we're almost like it's easier than Michelangelo in some ways in that you can put stuff back. And like, I can't imagine like carving a piece of stone and like once you chuck a piece off, it can never go back and it's gone. It's like, oh no, no, I needed that character, damn it. Yeah, yeah, that would be, yeah. So no, I, really I'm nice. a word girl, I'll stick with what I do. <laughs> that works. Uh, so reading, I know we talked earlier about Barbara Davis and she's got a new one, which I'd love to hear a little bit of your thoughts on if you have time. Um, what do you like to read? What kind of things? Like, tell us more about your reading world. <laughs> My reading world, um, I'm very eclectic, to, to be honest. I love a good mystery and a good thriller. Um, I, things I've been reading lately that I adored. I did an article, actually. I, I am going to, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I am. I've, I've written an article um, that I'm hoping is going to come out uh, somewhere about crime books, because there's really a crossover with this book about characters who 
do things that cross the line and maybe break the law, like my character, Nicole, but do it with a really good heart or for really good reasons. And so a couple of the books that really came um, up for me that I adored that have that, one is called The Thursday Murder Club, which is just one of my favorite murder mystery books that I've read in ages. This book is... Um, it's about a bunch of septuagenarians in a retirement community who get together on Thursdays to solve cold cases and then an actual murder happens and they will <sighs> stop at nothing to get access to the evidence and be involved. And it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, loved it. And on that note, actually, um, Anxious People also just absolutely adored that book. I can't talk about it too much because it was so good at the twists that Ooh. any commentary about it just gives them away. Um, love it. So there's, there's those, I love those kinds of books, mysteries, and then things like Barbara Davis, um, women's fiction with magical elements is one of my favorite things right now. It's one of my favorite things to write. One of my favorite things to read. So Barbara Davis new book is very different from the last of the moon girls. Um, and yet in some ways the same because Barbara wrote it. So it's called the keeper of happy endings. And it is a dual timeline book. We have a character who some of her story is set in Paris during the Nazi invasion. And she's part of the resistance movement at that time. Um, she's a dressmaker and the magic in the book comes in that her family of wedding dressmakers have this magic that if one of them sews your dress for you, you will have a happy ending to your romance. Um, so that's the that's the cool little Love magical it. part. Yeah, it. yeah, it's very fun. Well, let's take a quick peek at how people can connect with you because I know you love to hear from readers. You're at Carrie underscore and underscore King on Instagram and www.allthingscarry.com is your website. Everyone can find all your different social media and hopefully that article, if it gets published, you'll be yeah. able to find there as well. Yeah, um, I always like to wrap up by asking people, what did you want to say that I haven't asked you? Like anything high in your mind that you wanted to talk about and I haven't asked the question. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I don't, um, let's see. We could talk about, you know, your awesome book and all of your rewards, uh, rewards, awards. Um, wow. Rewards, I, been... rewards, because actually it's like so nerve wracking bringing a debut novel out into the world. And so yeah. it is rewarding when you're like, okay, some people liked it. Some people read yeah. it. I got some awards. Yeah. Like, okay, I can keep doing this. Absolutely. Well, the other thing about that that I really do love about Lainey's novel and a lot of the books that I love about there is the women empowering women theme of this. It took me a lot of years of my life to come to that place. My teenage years were not, not like that. Um, it took me a long time to learn to trust women, actually, which has been something that's been much in my later years. Really, the writing community uh, in many ways has taught me that. Writing authors, other authors have been so brilliant. Maddie Dawson and um, Lainey Cameron and Barbara Davis and, you know, um, Heather Webb actually is another one. There's these amazing women who just lift up other women and are out there and inspiring and helping and writing books that do the same, that, that is a happy thing. 
That is a happy thing. And I feel this exact same way. Having come from the corporate world, like the writing world is so uplifting and there is not that same sense of being in competition. And it's kind of funny that everybody you mentioned there has been on the podcast with the exception of Barbara, who is definitely on my hit list for the future because she's definitely also among the best out there. But I love getting people on who uplift other writers. That's like one of the things that makes me happy is to really bring on people who get that, that this is not a competition, that you know, readers don't read one book a year. Like, like, no. like it's, you know, and we don't write 12 books a year unless you're, I don't know, some amazing romance writer that somehow pulls that off. So like our readers right. want to hear about other books because we're not going to have a book to give them every month. Well, sure. And, well, and what an amazing life. I wake up every day and I'm so incredibly grateful that I get to live a life that is just filled with books, surrounded by books. I write books. I read books. I talk about books. I help coach people who are writing books. It's, this is a dream come true. It really for me. is. It really yeah. is. Well, thank you for taking time, especially you. around your book launch here. And to remind people, it's out. It came out this week. So you can get your hands on it right yeah. now. Uh, yeah, other people's things. Read it. Five star read. It's fabulous. I have to go Thank write you. my own review. It's so good. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today, Carrie. Bye. If you'd like to see the video version of this interview and many others, visit bestofwomensfiction.com or follow me, Lainey Cameron, on Instagram, where I share these interviews weekly. You can also subscribe right here to the podcast.